This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Traded. Right. Oh, the- sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's and they're not finishing. Good. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 56 of TLDR Podcast. We got a full squad here tonight, and it's going to be a good one, so hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we got, we're talking some uh, NFL today, another division preview from James. We got an update on the NBA Finals that's coming down to the wire here. And then there's a new NHL team in town, the Seattle Kraken, and they're going to start drafting players and stealing players from their team, so we're getting all of that and more. So, But first, let's check in with the guys. Um, Eric, I see you got you know the crack in the background, but also the Kings jersey on at the same time. What's going on there? How you doing? I'm good, Tyler. Just you know, always excited for hockey um, and hockey news. Probably a while before the season begins, but at least we got the expansion draft coming up. Quick touchback on the golf. Um, Morikawa ended up winning. None of us even mentioned a word about him. Um, makes sense. Uh, Jordan Spieth got second trade and you said he would win. You were close. John Rom got third. James, you said he would win, which is fucking super close. Um, Kepka got fifth. So Alex, he was pretty fucking close too. Um, and Dustin Johnson got, I mean, eighth, but basically six. So he was also really close and, uh, yeah. But I'm doing good other than that, Tyler. And golf is, you know, pretty much dwindling did you, away. Did now. you not want to mention how terrible DeChambeau played or no? We're gonna skip that. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, if I were to pick a guy, it would have been him, and he uh barely made the cut and did really bad. And then he complained about his clubs too and said it was their fault. So yeah. yeah Brooks Kepler likes his driver, by the way. Just so you know. <laughs> so he goes from he goes for me, he goes from being like I don't like him. And then I see the match and I'm like, he's kind of cool. And then he like loses all of his credit. Like the fuck. Yeah. It's funny. Cause Alex kind of called it like Kepka actually seemed to be pretty chill this weekend. Like he was taking like little jabs at DeChambeau. Like on the last day he was like, so in, in a nutshell, DeChambeau complained about his driver said it was fucking up on him. And then like the last day Kepka was doing good, had a chance to win. He's like, yeah, I've just been driving it really good lately. I've loved how my driver's been working. So it's kind of funny. Nice. Uh, yeah, I was, I was in Lake Tahoe last weekend, so I didn't watch a second of that tournament, but I'm glad it was uh, entertaining for some people. Uh, Alex, uh, work's been busy, yeah? Just, you started a, a dead oak, a reopened with the kitchen and everything. How's, how's that going and how's life? Yeah, it's been busy. Uh, we had a little, like, friends and family soft opening, um, which was craziness, and then um, helped out the chef with this, like, private, event at this like crazy mansion out in wine country so that was pretty fun um but yeah it's it's been busy uh i have today off and then the next like six days i'll be pretty slammed so uh but we're we're chugging along it's all good are you excited though 
is it exciting stuff or is it just tedious uh it's tedious now but it's getting more exciting because we're getting closer to actually being open um and instead of me just like doing small tasks and like building furniture and stuff we actually get to have people come in and start making money so uh we like that part oh yeah well thanks for thanks for spending your off day with the boys doing the podcast appreciate that uh james i sent you a video the other day of your golf swing a year ago how do how do you do you see like some improvement because i thought over a year i thought you it looked way better than what i than what i sent you i mean yeah there's some improvement there but i'm just really bummed because my arms were so much bigger a year ago <laughs> like my arms were bulging out of my shirt and i still have that same shirt it just doesn't bulge the same amount mm. so i'm very bummed about that my swing itself looks way better yeah yeah dude i gotta work out again man yeah i mean bigger arms are better golf swing you know it's kind of what your arms you know what what the i don't know are. man <laughs> uh that's a, that's a tough one uh trading our, our hockey team played last night i wasn't there how do we do i don't even know what, what what happened last night yeah no it was a it was a good win um it was a team that kind of relegated like we did so we knew that those guys yeah uh, it, it was a good game um you know our goaltender just stands on his head and um, you know, bails us out 50% of the time. I feel like sometimes the entire game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fun. Um, I didn't get any points, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Well, so you're a, you're a me over team guy. I'm sorry. I did get an assist. That was, it was a sick oh. assist too, actually. There you go. Too bad. There's no video uh, proof of that, but no. I, uh, trust. No you one gives much. a shit about beer league, dude. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I do. I like it. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to start with our first topic. The NBA Finals between the Bucks and the Suns is coming down to the very the last couple games here. So Alex is going to lead us through an, an NBA segment. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. The NBA Finals is coming down to the last couple games here. The Bucks are up 3-2 to two in the series after losing the first two games to the Suns. So, Alex, take us away. What, what do we got for uh, the NBA Finals? Yeah, so uh, we're game six is tomorrow night, Tuesday. Uh, we're recording Monday, Monday evening here. Um, but, yeah, like Tyler mentioned, first two games in Phoenix. The Suns won those two. Milwaukee has come back and won the next three, two in Milwaukee, and then game five there in Phoenix. That's the first time a team has won a game uh, on the road, um, which kind of makes makes game six even more interesting. Can Phoenix now do the same thing and keep their season alive? Um, you know, after the first two games, a lot of Suns and Forge chants were going on. Uh, James picked Suns in five, if I remember correctly. That did, obviously is not going well. Not going no, well. Not going well. <laughs> yeah. So fuck me. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it happens to the best of us. But so let's let's kind of recap or give you guys' thoughts on the series so far. Um, so, James, let's start with you. Um, you did have the Suns in five. Uh, again, not going not going great. Um, what what have you seeing as a problem that they've had in these last three games or anything that they need to change kind of moving forward? I think they're relying too much on the fact that Giannis can't shoot, that they're laying off their defense on him. They're playing more of a drop zone as opposed to pressing him because they're like, he can't make that shot. And then because they're dropping so much, that's allowing him to drive and giving that one split second. That's all it takes for Giannis. 
like people keep bagging on this dude being a seven footer who is not good. But how many seven footers do you see doing what he's doing? There's like two or three seven footers on every single team, but nobody's doing what Giannis is doing. Giannis is out there driving, he's rebounding, he's shooting threes and missing free throws. I'll beat every single seven footer misses free throws. But I mean, the fact of the matter is he's out there putting 40 points and 22 rebounds a night. That's hard to do as a seven footer. And they're giving him too much room to operate. And whenever they do press him, they don't press Chris Middleton. And Chris Middleton has one game every single series where he goes off and goes absolutely nuclear and just dominates the fourth quarter. He's done that every single series and they've won that game every single series. It's kind of hard to defend Batman and Robin, right? As you guys have said before. So the fact of the matter is, I think the Suns have to play more pressing defense. Uh, D-Buck is doing his thing. CP3 is doing his thing. DeAndre Aiden had an awful game too, but he's bounced back and giving you a double-double every single game after the fact. It's keep doing what you're doing, but play better defense. Play more urgent defense. After games one and two, they came in there being like, yo, this can be easy. We're 2-0. And they didn't put much of, much of a fight. But I mean, the fact, like, it's, it's the NBA. These are, it's a former MVP. These are professional teams. You always have to play with urgency. Otherwise, you're going to get just destroyed. Yeah, they've, their defense is definitely lacked. I mean, all of these games are into like up to the one, the teen, one teens, you know, 115, one, and then up to the 120s. There's just been scoring like crazy. Um, on your Chris Paul point, he's kind of had an up and down series. Um, he had some great games in Phoenix. And then since then, a lot of turnovers. Um, kind of some garbage time points. Eric, if the Suns are going to get back into this series, I mean, Chris Paul is going to have to have a huge game six, right? Yeah, he is. And I don't want him to, and I don't want the Suns to win. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. Um, he's like – he's the veteran slash glue guy slash, like, guy that can become their most important player when they need him to be. Um, and I mean, now it's going to be interesting to see because I think this is the most adversity they've faced in the playoffs yet this far. Um, they've gotten through some series uh, against other teams where the other teams had some injuries they were dealing with now that, you know, their backs are against the wall. Um, I'm interested to see how they come out, but uh it's that he's got to be the most like urgent player on the court for them. He's got to do everything that he can do to will them into this, uh, into a victory. Cause obviously if not, it's over and it would be great to see them fall one game short of winning the NBA championship this year. Yeah. Drew holiday has been a monster on defense against Chris Paul. He's had some up and down offensive games, holiday specifically speaking. Um, definitely. But he's held Chris Paul. Chris Paul, you know, is has the nickname Point God. You can believe that or not. That's up to you. But he's had a lot of turnovers. Um, and he's looked a little off those last couple games. I don't know if there's an undisclosed injury going on or something. Unfortunately, Chris Paul is known for getting hurt in the playoffs. That's sort of like his thing. And he just gets hurt in every single playoff series. So, he's, yeah, he's going to have to step it up. Um, trade in looking ahead to game six Giannis D book are kind of the guys Chris Middleton you know Batman Robin if you had to make a prediction which one of those guys is going to get more help from the supporting cast in game six is it Giannis 
plus is going to and his team because game five it felt like Devin Booker versus the bu- versus the Bucks and the rest of his team was kind of just there. Like, are they going to get a more like which one's going to get a more complete team effort? I guess is a better way to phrase it. Yeah. Um, look, I, I I mean I think this is just going to answer it. The the series is over tomorrow, um, and that's simply because the Bucks smell blood in the water and that's, they're, they're just going to continue to roll. That's three games in a row that they, that Giannis has been able to do his thing, but you have Middleton, you have Drew Holiday stepping up and, you know, providing exactly what they need to get the job done. Um, you even have Brooke Lopez that's scoring like 20 points a night, which is insane. Um, so I, I look, I, I, I think the Phoenix Suns just are kind of, you know, I'm not going to say they're, they don't really look bad because these games aren't blowouts by any means. I mean, they're, they're close games. It's just the, those guys just aren't getting it done. And, or said differently, the Bucks are getting it done. And, you know, they're going to be back home. They're going to be in front of their fans. Uh, and they're, they smell blood in the water. This is their chance to just completely ice it, to get it over with and to be, and to, you know, to break that 50 year, you know, drought. Like that's a long fucking time. That that gives you that gives you some some confidence to come in there and just get the job done and that and you know that's what I that's what I think is going to happen. I just have a lot more faith in in how the Bucks are playing right now. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I mean, I picked the Bucks to win in seven, but they're up in the series. They're going back to Wisconsin. They're on a roll. They you know their their superstar duo seems pretty much unguardable at this point. I mean, Giannis has had back to back games with unbelievable plays one on the defensive end one on the offensive end Tyler the block that Giannis had in game four to seal the game other than maybe LeBron's chase down block or like is that the best defensive play you've seen in an NBA finals game because not only was he guarding guarding the alley part of it he also guarded the oop part of it as one human like that's nuts. Yeah, I mean, it might be. It's you know he's got the advantage of obviously just being a, a physical freak and having those long arms and stuff. But he's also he's also he's not one of those you know big men that you know are kind of slow. Like he's just he's so athletic and for him to be able to do something like that is shit. That's why people tune in to watch this guy play. That's why he's the MVP. Not only is he you know gifted with his with his uh, physical abilities, but he's just an incredible athlete and he's very good at it at his at his at his. At his, at his position, particularly on, on defense. So, like I said, you know, I think I mentioned it last or a couple weeks ago when we had the, the, the preview, you know, and it was a question if, you know, whether or not he would play because of his uh, knee injury. And, you know, I told him, like, you know, they've got to have him out there, not just for offense, but defense, especially. That dude is like, a, he is a force on defense. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to go up against the guy and score a lot of points in the paint, you know, with, with a guy like Giannis in there. So, um, definitely up there for sure in terms of best defensive plays in, in, in NBA Finals. Yeah, it was – I wasn't able to watch that one live, but when I went back to watch it, that was insane. I mean, not just an NBA Finals. It's one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen. Um, I mean, yeah, again, it helps that he's seven feet tall and incredibly long and incredibly athletic, but um, just what a, what a play. Um, to finish it off, we're going to go around – Traden's pretty much already gave his answer on whether we're going to game seven or not. So Traden, we're going to skip you, but we're going to ask the other three. If we're going to game seven or if it's over tomorrow night, Eric, let's start with you. Um, 
we heard it in game three when the Bucks were kind of pulling away. Uh, all the fans were yelling Bucks in six. So I'm going with the Bucks in six chant. It's taking over the Suns in four chant. <laughs> nice. Love that. All right, James, you're shaking your head. Suns in seven, dude. You, I mean, like, I respect Trayton's answer, but you can't just put away two potential Hall of Famers and one All Star. You can't just put them away that easy. You can't be like, let's close the book because you smell blood in the water. Nah, dude. CP3 is going to. I think CP3 sold out, and that's why I gave away games three and four, or game four especially. That was a close game. If he didn't make those damn turnovers, like he was freaking out, he was spazzing out. If he didn't make those turnovers, it'd be a different outcome. He sold out. I think he wanted to go to game seven, just, you know, for the fanfare, the whole the drama of it, the TNT. Oh, God. <laughs> Suns in seven. Fuck. <laughs> Suns in seven. Tyler? I said Suns in seven from, from the beginning, and I'm going to keep doing it. I've been I've been I've been hyping this team the Suns team up since like January so I'm gonna keep riding to the very end, Suns and seven I think they, I mean, these games have been especially the, the last two or three games have been so close you know it's not it's not like the Bucks have been dominating you know they've been you know they've been playing very well but but so have the Suns so you know I, I think it's gonna be a really close and I think Suns are gonna pull out the the last two games here. Okay, well I picked the Bucks in seven, but I also think it's over. They're in their home in their home court. I just think the supporting cast that Giannis and Chris Middleton have has been a better collective group throughout these playoffs and especially throughout these finals. Um, I have no faith in campaign. That guy's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and I just think that Brooke Lopez and uh, PJ Tucker and Drew Holiday um, are good and are very good defensively and can shut enough of the Suns' offensive down. I mean, D-Book's going to get what he's going to get. He's, pretty much the most unguardable shooting guard in the league right now. Um, but it's, it definitely feels, feels like uh, the Bucks might have this. So I'm going to go Bucks in six. Um, you know, I, I hope I go seven because game sevens are always fun, but you know, this will be my last basketball basketball segment for a while. Cause definitely by the time we record next week, uh, it will be over. So I hope you guys enjoyed the season. You know? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Very, very... Uh, but yeah. Yeah, we're thank you, Alex. We're definitely gonna enjoy these uh, last game, but probably two because Suns and seven. So, uh, thank you, Alex, for the for our last NBA Finals segment of the of the twenty twenty one season. Uh, we're take a quick break. When we come back, James is going to continue his uh, NFL preview, and we're going to the AFC North. So, be we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We got another segment of our 2021 NFL season preview, and we're talking about the AFC North division. James, take it away. All right, guys. Um, this last season, this division was actually pretty strong. You had three playoff teams in this division, so it was super crazy. And last one being the Bengals, which we're going to start out with. They were pretty terrible, and they have been for the last couple of years. But last season as a whole... <laughs> They were 4-11-1. They did have a tie, I believe, in week six. They were 27th in offense, 23rd in defense. Head coach, Zach Taylor. It's been a tough two years. He has a record of 6-25-1. That's so bad. The Bengals last year weren't winning, but Joe Burrow was killing it. He had a great first year before he tore his ACL. Um, so I'm looking to see him just keep expanding on that and becoming a better player because he is a damn good player. Pretty much Joe Mixon and the O-line were major disappointments here, and that's why 
uh, Joe Burrow got hurt. This offseason, they lost, you know, Hall of Famer A.J. Green. He's been there for a long time. They lost cornerbacks Mackenzie Alexander and William Jackson III and uh, edge defender Carl Lawson. But they did sign Riley Reef a tackle, Mike Hilton a cornerback, and Trey Hendrickson an edge defender who led the league in sacks for about 14 of the 16 weeks. They went into the draft, and they did not draft a tackle or an offensive lineman with the first pick, like everybody thought, but they went in and drafted Jamar Chase. So good job, Tyler, because everybody needs more wide receivers. Oh, yeah. In the second round, they drafted an offensive lineman, Jackson Carmen out of Clemson. Alex, why are the Bengals going to have a better year than they were last year? Yeah, Cincinnati fans, it's not going to be great. Let's just be, <laughs> be up front. It's not going to be great. Um, you've got a lot of problems on defense. Your defense is going to be garbage. Um, if you're going to win a lot of games, you're going to need Joe Burrows to come back healthy from his uh, ACL tear um, and win a lot of shootouts. Your wide receiver group is not terrible. Uh, Jamar Chase is going to be, you know, will be incredible. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are some underrated uh, wide receivers. So I think your wide receiver core could be pretty good. The problem is, will Joe Burrow have any time to actually throw it to any of them with a, let's say, suspect offensive line would be a good way to put it, even if that um, could be uh, some Swiss cheese going on there. I think a trade-in term. Um, Cincinnati, not going to be great, but you know what? You've got some young talent. Um, it will it'll be fun to watch for sometimes, uh, not fun most of the other time. I think that's like the best way to put it. Um, they're not going to be great, but it's they're at least on the right track to some sort of rebuild, but it's going to be a, a long time. They've got their franchise quarterback. That's step one. Yeah, okay. Uh, Trayton, why are they going to have a pretty terrible year next year? They didn't do much. Um, and here's the main issue that I – actually, the, the moves that they made are suspect in my opinion. But let's just start – let's just start in the overall offense. I mean, as – as, as uh, Alex mentioned, the offense isn't awful in terms of, in terms of you know, the, maybe the quarterback position, which we have seen young players come back from an ACL and they're just not great. So, that I mean, I, I question his ability to come back and be, you know, really good. Uh, the receiving core is probably your only saving grace there um, because your offensive line did not get fixed, which is like – to say it is suspect is t- is putting it very very nicely. I mean, dude, that how generous are you, Alex? You're such a nice guy. I'm telling it like it is. It's fucking terrible. Um, I also look at the defensive side, and I just don't think they've done enough. In fact, I actually think they they made the wrong moves. Uh, and you know, they they bring in Trey Hendrickson, who is actually taking over. Um, uh, I believe it was Carl Lawson. I think that's a downgrade. Um, and I say it's a downgrade because yes, he did have more sacks than, than, uh, than Lawson, but he was, and he added, um, you know, 11 hits and 13, uh, add, and a 13.3 uh, pressure rate, um, add on to his whole sack total. But he's also with the, the New Orleans Saints, who are one of the best def- defenses in the league. And then you have Lawson, who actually surpassed those hit totals and those pressure rates, despite having a worse defense to play with them, no support. I, and, you know, I just think that he's not the right – it wasn't the right move because you're now you're bringing in a guy that doesn't know the system. He has to learn the system. You have a guy that had better totals in terms of looking outside the sack rate, which your defense is already bad, so, you know, that can be expected. And in terms of money, they're about the same, so that, that's a wash. Uh, and I just don't like 
I, I just don't like that gamble. It just didn't make sense to me. When, when, if you look at the actual numbers, they're pretty similar. And you have a guy that's already been in your system. Carl Lawson's actually a solid player. I think you should have kept him, but it, it's just kind of weird moves for me. So I just don't like it. Um, and I just don't like this team. Um, yeah, they're in trouble. What's the record going to be? Uh, six and 10. And that's pit to giving them, you know, an extra two games probably. Wow. Okay. Alex, what do you think? Well, I'm going to give them five and, uh, let's see, five and 12. So I'm going to give them one more win the next year or last year. And I'm banking on Joe Burrows being healthy all season. He could at least get them one more win. Um, he was having a pretty, Joe Burrows was having a great season before his injury. You never know. Five, five wins seems nice. I'm going to go three and 14, guys. <laughs> three and 14. I thought you guys were way overshooting that. I respect Joe Burrow, but their offensive line is Sergey Bobrovsky if he was in the NFL. Like, he does not deserve to be there. He's not going to live, man. I don't understand why they picked Jamar Chase. He's not going to have time to throw to Jamar Chase. He's going to have time to throw to Tyler Boyd because he's the slot receiver. Nobody else. That's it. You can't throw deep, and that's what Jamar Chase does. He doesn't have enough time. Joe Burrow's going to be running for his life. With a rebuilt ACL, which he hasn't tested out yet, it's not looking good for Joe Burrow. And the coaching is not good either way. I mean, Zach Taylor was a, a Rams offensive coordinator, and they gave him too much credit because he was next to Sean McVay. He was in the same breathing area as Sean McVay, so all of a sudden he's, he's a coaching god. That is simply not true. They did have six wins in two years. Absolutely horrendous. Get a defensive coordinator. This team is garbage, man. Tyler, what do you think? Um, yeah, more. It's they're pretty bad. So I'm I'm uh, four and thirteen. I don't think it's be much more than three or four wins this season. Again, it's just going to be another shitty year. I just, I, I hope Joe Burrow stays healthy. I like that guy. Hopefully he can uh, have a, have a good year and um, we'll see maybe in a couple of years, they get better, but ain't, ain't, ain't going to be this year. And Eric, I'm going to give him seven and 10. Um, what? Cause Joe, Joe Burrow is going to prove everything you just said that he is a quarterback. And Alex stated last week, this is a quarterback's league. He's going to put him on his back for as long as he can. He's going to pull out seven wins and show that they're rebuilding and on the uprise. Okay. I don't agree <laughs> with that one bit. <laughs> but let's move on to fantasy here. So, Alex, let's talk Joe Burrow. His ADP is 113. Last, so, that's about QB 12. Uh, he's a volume producer. So, I mean, he's going to get points because he's going to be passing a lot because that defense is horrible. Right now, he's going between Stafford and Jalen Hurts. Who would you have and why? I'd probably pick – I said this last week. I'd pick Burroughs, so I'm going to stick with it. He's going to get volume. Some, It's not – fantasy's weird. Again, it's not always the best team's best quarterback is going to be the most helpful for your fantasy team. Um, and Joe Burroughs, it's not known for being, like, a crazy mobile quarterback, but he can he can get after it a little bit. He'll still get you some, some points on the ground. He's going to have to with that offensive line that will just disappear once the ball's hiked. So uh, I'm going to go Joe Burrows, but don't bank on him to be your starter. Uh, Joe Mixon is going at 26. So in the third round, as of right now, he's the only guy because um, Javon Bernard is gone. So he's going to be the only guy handling all the rushing and all the catches out of the backfield. Do you like him at that ADP? Would you have him higher? Or uh, much lower. I have zero faith in Joe Mixon. He's burned I think everyone on this podcast at some point in his time, uh, I can't, I will not be drafting him. It's one of those biases where he's burned me in the past and I don't care where he falls. He will not be on my team. Um, 
but he will probably, like you said, he's the only guy, so he will get some volume, but I still would not use a third round pick on him. How late would it have to be for you to draft him? Uh, what's the last round? 16. <laughs> 16. I do not want this dude on Wow. That's impressive. It, 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 it's completely bias-based and not actually talent or where I, like how I think he will, like, could possibly perform. I just don't want him on my team. Okay. Moving on to the wide receiver group that is very talented but won't have any time to get to. You got Jamar Chase, the rookie. ADP is at 65. T. Higgins, the outside receiver in his second year, his ADP is 80. And Tyler Boyd, the slot receiver, whose ADP is 102. So given their ADPs, which one would you rather have? I think I'd actually like Tyler Boyd the best. As a slot receiver, ball's going to be coming out quicker. Again, it's all the offensive line is not there. He's going to have to get, the, get rid of the ball. Um, and I think Tyler Boyd's one of those underrated wide receivers that could rack up some points, especially with Jamar Chase is now the big first-round pick. Defenses are going to be focusing on him with the LSU connection. I'm going to go Tyler Boyd. I like that. Thank you, Alex. Moving on to the Browns, probably one of the biggest surprises of 2020. They went 11-5 and last year after having losing season after losing season after losing season for pretty much my entire life. So 11-5, and that was very impressive. They were fourth in offense and 16th in defense. There's a big breakout year, like I'd mentioned. Apparently, uh, the coach is a very good dad. So that's a cool thing, too. They do have a heavy reliance on the run game with that new coaching staff. So look for or their running backs to get a lot of work. This offseason, they lost some de- some pretty key defensive pieces in Olivier Vernon, BJ Goodson, and like Ogan Julie. But they did add Jadavion Clowney, Tack McKinley, John Johnson III, and Troy Hill from the Rams. So you get two of those big Rams pieces that were first overall on defense and then bring it to the, the Browns. So that's going to be really good there. Jadavion Clowney too, amazing. First round talent, first overall pick. He hasn't put it together in some years, but this year, I think this might be it with this team. In the draft, they drafted cornerback Greg Newsom in the first and linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa in the second, which we all thought was going to go in the first round. So him dropping to the second is big. Trayden, why are your Browns going to be as good or better as they were last year? Oh, baby. Um, this team, man. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it might have been this time last year where I, you know, completely called out our, um, our boy uh, Baker Mayfield. And he shoved it up my hoop, let me tell you right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, the offensive line was the storyline, right? I mean, it, you look at you look at the um, you look at just the difference in in how Mayfield played, and it was it was huge. Um, his touchdown to interception ratio climbed from twenty two or twenty two out of twenty one to twenty six and eight, which is phenomenal. Um, and ultimately, you know, that offensive line just really just really you know thrived, and the running game was their huge was their huge one. I mean, Nick Chubb. Um, huge Korean, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Nick Chubb, ab- an absolute revelation. He was the reason that I even was, you know, competitive in fantasy football. Um, uh, the passing game, their, their rank was a little bit low, but I mean, I, 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 it was much better than it was the year prior. Also, what was amazing is their offense was able to thrive, relatively thrive without having OBJ. I mean, and OBJ is, I mean, say what you want about him. He, he is a talent. He is an extremely good talent. And when he's back, that's just, that's just an offensive target. That's going to be utilized, especially when you have a strong offensive line, but the most important thing that this team did over the, over the off season and and what an organization does right is they attack their weaknesses and their weaknesses was the defense, which was terrible more or less. And they really attacked it. I mean, they were, 
they were very strong in the in the draft uh drafting greg newsom the second from northwestern uh miles garrett's gonna have some help with jadavion Clowney, as you mentioned james um john johnson the third is a huge um defensive back that was available they really shored up their defense their defense and i would not expect them to be below you know 15 15th um in terms of defensive rank which means i think that they actually have a chance to win this division so alex why are the browns gonna have a terrible year uh, they're probably not, but it's the Browns. You, I mean, you could you could go with just it's the Browns, and that could suffice. Again, for most of our most of our lifetimes, the Browns have been probably the worst professional sports team in America. Um, whoa, whoa, just, you forgot the Buffalo Sabers, bro. I mean, this, but the Sabers made the playoffs within the last decade. Fair enough. The Browns haven't had a winning. It was like ten years ago. <laughs> They made a Stanley Cup final within our lifetime. No. I don't think the yeah they lost the whole no Browns. the whole no goal thing. Never mind. We're not getting into that. We're not getting into that. <laughs> the Browns have been fucking terrible for twenty five years. That's that's just they're the Browns. That's what they do. Um, they're probably going to be good. Just um, they did like you mentioned, James. They lost a lot on defense and they brought a lot lot on. Might take a little bit of time for all that to mesh. I still think um, actually trading. I think you're underselling how good this defense could be like a top 10 uh, I think that I think they could be very good it just might there might be a little bit of hiccups in those first couple of games um, and then that pass attack like you mentioned they do have an elite offensive line Baker Mayfield and this is really isn't really coming from numbers but just from what I've seen watching him play is when he doesn't get the ball out too quickly or when he when he does not get the ball out quickly he kind of gets into his head a little bit and he'll miss throws when he has too much time, which sort of doesn't make sense for a quarterback normally. But I, he just like – he looks so much better when it's three steps, boom, three steps, boom, not three steps, okay, wait, wait, take a couple steps, you know, step up in the pocket. He seems to miss some of those throws. Um, and then just the health of that wide receiver core could be a little bit iffy. Um, OBJ has not really performed that well as a Cleveland Brown. Um you know, if he and Landry are healthy and performing as good as they can be, this team could be elite. I'm just a little hesitant on that, but realistically, this Browns team should be should be very good. What's the record going to be? I'm going to go 12 and five. Trading. Uh, I was going to say 12 and five. So yeah. Okay, I agree with you both. I think they're going to win the division with a record of 12 and five. Uh, great. I love the coaching staff. Steven Stefanski, fantastic coach. Like the all the way around, offense coordinator, defense coordinator. Every- Everybody on the same page is amazing. The one thing, I think they could be better, but I think the one thing that's going to hold them back is OBJ. Uh, Trade, you mentioned that he's going to be back, but he's never played well, like Alex said, as a Brown. And the Browns played better without OBJ. Baker played better without OBJ. Because for a long time, their Baker would throw the ball to OBJ and try to force feed him because he got that superstar mentality. And it just never worked. OBJ couldn't get open or he'd drop passes or not read the defensive back correctly. And I think him coming back is going to throw a wrench in that plan. The Browns are a running team. Steven Stefanski is a running coach. That's why they got two all-pro running backs. And if you throw OBJ back in, in his drama, he's going to want the ball more. You can't throw the ball when you're running the ball. So I think that's where it's going to come and hurt him right then. So if you, want, if you can trade OBJ to get some draft picks, do it. I think that's the best way to go about this right now. Um, but I do like their defense. I agree with Alex. It's going to be a top-10 defense. Dave Mount Clowney and Miles Garrett. 
whew, that's going to be crazy good. And Troy Hill and, and John Johnson in the secondary, also going to be really good. That's going to be a lockdown defense paired with a running offense. You're looking at the 49ers two years ago. It's going to be fun to watch. Tyler, what do you think? Uh, I got 11 and six, uh, so slightly behind what you guys are saying. Uh, I think it's going to be a dogfight uh, on, the, on, the, on the top of that division. I think those teams are going to beat up on each other a little bit, so that's kind of why my record's a little bit lower there. But I agree with you guys. I think the Browns are right, right up there in, the, in that division. Um, I just think that uh, the Ravens are probably slightly better right now. Um, but 11 and uh, – or, yeah, 11 and six for the Browns this year. And Eric. I got them at 14 and three. Um, all the defensive things you just said, they have two like the, the best corners from the Rams the last since they went to the Super Bowl. One is a safety, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, safety and a corner, exactly. <laughs> um, and they got Clowney, like all these guys you're talking about, like they just up their defense to probably be the best defense in the league this year. So uh, 14 and three. You said a lot there, man. I'm going to have to clip that and put it on. TikTok or something because it's a lot of best defense 14 3. That's crazy. But let's talk fantasy here. Trading, let's talk Baker Mayfield. Uh, he was QB 17 last year. He played all but one game and was QB 17. That's a little disappointing. His ADP is 157, aka he's going undrafted in a run heavy scheme. Would you add Baker as an insurance QB? Like, would he be your second QB or would you just leave him on the waiver wire? I think you gotta leave him on the waiver wire. Um, I, I just don't trust him because they're so offensive. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, running run heavy. I do think that Baker Mayfield's gonna give his metaphorical middle finger to uh, to OBJ and say, "This isn't your fucking team. This is our fucking team." And what if you like it or not, just sit down. But he just doesn't have the weapons, and I don't think he's quite strong enough to to be you know on your roster unless you really are desperate for someone. That's just my pick. That's just my feel. Moving on to running backs, here you got Nick Chubb. He finished as running back 11. His ADP right now is 13. And Kareem Hunt, who finished as running back 10, and his ADP is 73. Uh, Nick Chubb did miss four games. That's worth noting here. But the fact of the matter is, these two are neck and neck. They finished the year as running back one and running back two on this team. So would you rather have Nick Chubb at 13 overall or Kareem Hunt at 73rd overall? I'm going to say Nick Chubb and that's not just because of my re uh, recency bias because he was the uh, principal reason why I did so well in fantasy football, but I just look at his stats and he's a more efficient back. I mean, uh, he had less attempts and he was more efficient in terms of, you know, yards per yards per carry yards per game. Uh, he, he is a workhorse man. And, he, and, you know, and he doesn't bring the drama that comes with it. He, the, 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 the team comes first and it actually bodes well for him because he's playing for the team and you can tell by every, in every, in everything that he does. And I know this is fantasy, but that transcends, you know, when you're playing for something that's bigger than you, that transcends in your play. And I just think he's, he's a, he's a better pick for me. Wide receiver OBJ, like come off an injury. His ADP is 76. As I mentioned before, he's had a really hard time fitting in with that offense and he can't really stay healthy because he hasn't played a full season in probably four years. Right now, he's going between Cooper Cup and Juju Smith-Schuster. Who would you rather have? Um, I would say Cooper Cup. Definitely not. Definitely not OBJ. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, Baker Mayfield is going to give him the middle finger and say, "You know, you're done," um, because I think he learned that he doesn't need him. Um, and I just don't think he's gonna he's gonna target him. You know, exclusively. I, and he just not playing very well, so I just don't trust him. Um, you know, Cooper Cup's always, a, I think, is a solid pick. I believe in Cooper Cup, right, Tyler? 
Oh yeah. Always. <laughs> Always. Last but not least, you got Jarvis Landry's ADP is 111. He's coming off his worst fantasy season ever. Uh, so would you pick him up as an insurance policy for wide receivers or would you just leave him undrafted? <sighs> I, I think if you're running out of options, like there's always, there's always a point where, you know, you don't know what the fuck to do. And, you know, when, the, when you get to like the seventh, eighth round and, and if he's there, I think you have to pick him up. And I think he's going to have a, a little bit of a, a turnaround. Um, you know, I, I, you know, we have a year, we have a year more experience, um, in Baker, uh, Landry's going to come back and be, and I think he's going to come and, and want to play for this team and, and, and be, be a force and be the principal, uh, weapon for, for Baker. And, uh, I think that he might have some potential upside there, especially if you can get him in the seventh or eighth rounds. Love it. Moving on to the Ravens who finished also 11 and five last season. They were 16th in offense and 13th in defense, which is weird because they weren't top 10 either, but yet had a really good winning record. It was a weird year for them. They had high expectations coming off of 2019. Everybody thought they were going to be another Super Bowl team because of Lamar Jackson. People couldn't figure it out. But Lamar Jackson had a lot of time trying to figure out defenses. Like when defenses figured him out, he didn't know what to do. He couldn't read routes. He couldn't read the defense. And he couldn't run anymore. So it's gonna be, it was tough for him. And he also didn't have a true wide receiver one. So in addition to that, the defense took a step back after losing Earl Thomas. Um, this offseason, they lost edge rusher Yannick, Yannick Ngakwe and Matthew Judon and also Mark Ingram, who's been there forever. But they did sign a couple of offensive linemen in Alejandro Villanueva and guard Kevin Zeitler, as well as Sammy Watkins, which Tyler called in one of our episodes. So props to you, Tyler. I said it was a stupid idea. I was so <laughs> Congratulations, Tyler. Yep, you're welcome. I should in be a GM. <laughs> In the draft, in the round one, they drafted wide receiver Sean Bateman. And also in the first round, with the 31st overall pick, they drafted Odafe Owe, who is an outside linebacker. Eric, why are the Ravens going to have a good year? Well, uh, basically, you just took the first five minutes out of my spiel. Um, <laughs> by all these dudes they added, uh, added two offensive linemen, um, drafted two receivers, and then they added Sammy Watkins. Um, not a shining star, but a good throwing option, you could say, for Lamar nonetheless. Um, but it looks like they're going with the offense will win us enough games this season mentality. Um, I think the way that they're going to play games this year is they're going to be scoring a shit ton of points. Uh, it'll keep the defense off the field hopefully as much, uh, so they won't get as tired. Um, and they're going with the offense, will win games. Um, and anything's going to go better for them at the start of this season than it did last year. They were flustered with COVID. Um, they, they somehow came out of that rut. Um, I think the past two playoff seasons uh, gave Lamar a lot of good experience. Um, he knows what it feels like to lose. He got a little bit deeper last year. Um, beat the team that beat him his first year after that crazy season they had. They have a good coach who's won it before. Um, and now let me get into the last thing that I always do, the schedule. This is the most important thing. Um, their first seven games at Raiders, Chiefs at home, at Lions, at Broncos, Colts, Chargers, Bengals. They're going to go five and two to start the season. Um they're going to they're gonna beat the Raiders right off the bat. Uh, they will beat the Chiefs because they owe the Chiefs a beatdown, and the Chiefs have kind of had their number the last few years, and they've been in some close games with them. They're going to find a way to pull that off. They will pummel the Lions. They will beat the Broncos. Um, I think the, they may lose to the Colts. 
Uh, I think the Colts will be a little better than we think, and they will lose the Chargers somehow, some way. Um, Bengals, they're going to pummel, and they're going to go five and two from there. They're going to start off on the right foot. Like that. Tyler, why are the Ravens going to do terrible? It's hard to say they'll do terrible, but I would say a couple of things <laughs> that are kind of working against them is I don't think the defense is as strong as James mentioned earlier. They lost a couple, they lost a couple uh, pro bowlers. So I think their defense will take a step back a little bit. So they're not going to be quite as good as they were last year on the defensive side. Um, and the, the, their biggest issue last season was, was uh, wide receivers. So is the signing of, of, of Sammy Watkins and, and, and what they did in the draft good enough to put this team um, to a spot where Lamar Jackson has some help on the receiving end? Obviously, they're going to be very good at running. You, you kind of saw last year, I think, that the, the league kind of figured out how to defend Lamar Jackson a little bit better. Um, so he's going to need those wide receivers to step up in order for this team to be successful. So we'll see if it works. You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's not really sure if those guys can be um, successful yet with, with, with the Ravens. So there's a little bit of a question mark on the re receiving end still. Um, so we'll, so we'll kind of, we'll kind of see, I don't, I don't think this team is um, far and away the best team in the, in, in the division. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I really think it's going to be, it's going to come down between the Ravens and Browns this year. It's going to be like really, really, really close. It's, it, it could be either or, but I do think the Ravens did slightly enough, slightly enough on the offensive side just to, sh to shore up that re receiving core. But um, I don't think it's perfect and we're going to have to see what, what's, what's going to happen with that. But uh, my, my, I think my biggest issue is just the defense isn't quite what it was. So I think that, that, that could be an, uh, an issue. What's the record going to be? I got, I got 12 and five. So um, I think it's good. I think the, the, the Ravens and Browns are going to be separated by, by one game. Um, but yeah, so uh, 12 and five for the Ravens. Eric. I got them at 13 and four. <laughs> I was going to say 12 and five, but I can't agree with Tyler. 13 <laughs> and four. I have them at 10 and seven. I have them taking a step back. That defense doesn't look good at all, really. Their linebacker is a huge weak point. Patrick Queen was a first-round draft pick a year ago, and he's grading out as the worst linebacker in the league, and that's not even close. He is the worst. Um, they're one first team right now, and Lamar Jackson still hasn't figured out how to read defenses. So, like, if you can't throw the ball if you're behind, or you can't run the ball if you're behind, and that's what they want to do. So you have to throw the ball. And if Lamar Jackson can't figure out how to throw the ball, and utilize Hollywood Brown, which you've had the last two years, it's not looking good. Hollywood Brown is the fastest player in the league. He's faster than Tyreek Hill. He just runs straight and he will get open. Yeah, Lamar Jackson still can't find him. It's disappointing. On top of that, you got Sammy Watkins, who Eric said is going to be super good. But I didn't nah, say he's going to be what? super good. I didn't say he's going to be super good. <laughs> you mentioned I said he's one a of good throwing factors. He. Okay, <laughs> on the Chiefs, a really great <laughs> offense who le consistently lead the league in offense and yards and passing yards and everything. He had 32 targets. How does that make you a good receiving option? He used to be Lamar a good Jackson will read the offense better this year and throw it oh, to him. better than Pat Mahomes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. <laughs> that is an awful take, dude. Sammy Watkins, he was good five years ago when he was the Bills. Since then, he's been atrocious it's like just not good he was all right on the rams <laughs> was he though <laughs> he was all right <laughs> it's, 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 it's too many concussions problems he's gonna 
get another concussion and be out of the league. <laughs> that'd be, that, that is number seven that would be number seven for him so he's gone damn like, it's not coming sammy Watkins used to be good not anymore that offensive line has gotten better by a decent amount but i still don't think lamar jackson can read the defense man so it's going to be it's going to be a tough year it's going to be another high expectation but doesn't meet it kind of year for the ravens Caden, what do you think 10 and 7 alex uh, I'm going to go 11 and six. Sammy Watkins will score two touchdowns the first week, like he always does. Awesome. And then we'll catch less than 10 balls the rest of the season. <laughs> I agree 100%. Dude, oh my God. Literally, two years ago, 53 points in fantasy in the first week. Last year, 48 points in fantasy in the first week, and then just disappears. And then nothing the first else. week yeah. wonders. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Sammy Watkins is not a good season. Like, yeah, you, you draft him in the year, like, very last. Pick, you start him week one and then you drop him immediately that's how you <laughs> pretty much pretty <laughs> much that is one of my questions that you just answered so thank you You're welcome. <laughs> moving on to fantasy eric you ready for this we got lamar jackson his he finished as qb10 last season which is weird because he was qb1 the year before his adp right now is 50 he has really good rushing upside and that's the thing about fantasy it's like you don't have to be a really great quarterback in real life you can just run the ball a ton and then get Massive points that way. Right now, he's going right after Kyler Murray and right before Dak Prescott. So, who would you rather have around that ADP? Uh, Kyler Murray, um, <laughs> just because I, you know, hyped him up last week, was it or two weeks ago? So, last week, whenever that was. So, I'm going to stick to the guns uh, and go with him. Uh, let's move on to running back here. You got J.K. Dobbins, who is. Now kind of the lead back-ish. His ADP is 42. Mark Ingram is gone, but he still has his share reps with Gus Edwards. Last season, he had 805 yards and nine touchdowns. What is his outlook for 2021? Who, uh, Dobbins? Yeah. I think he does better. Um, I think, like you said, he becomes the number one guy. Uh, let's just hope that the offensive linemen block well enough uh, and that the Ravens can go up a little bit. And if they do, like you said, they will run the ball a lot. That'll be his key to success. So uh, uh, have good offense and he'll do good. That is typically what happens in all football. I like that <laughs> take. <laughs> Moving on to wide receivers, we got Hollywood Brown coming off a disappointing year at 115. And Sammy Watkins at ADP 170, a.k.a. very undrafted. So would you rather draft somebody with your very last pick in the 16th round to do well in week one or would you draft Hollywood Brown at 115? Well, actually, now that I think about it, I drafted Watkins last year in the last round and I had him on the bench for the first week Idiot. and I kept him the rest of the season. So Idiot. now I'm going to create a grudge <laughs> against him. Um, and I was backing him up too, but I'll go with the Hollywood Brown dude uh, because you said he's faster than Tyreek Hill. So I'll go with him. It's also Antonio Brown's cousin, FYI. And last but not least, we'll talk tight ends because not many teams have good tight ends, but the Ravens do. And Mark Andrews, he finished last year as tight end number six. His ADP right now is 46. It was another. He's another dude with high expectations because 2019, I think he finished as tight end number three, but it wasn't met this season, last season particularly well. Uh, Kyle Pitts is going six picks after he's going. So would you rather have Kyle Pitts, who is highly regarded as a rookie with the Atlanta Falcons, or would you rather draft Mark Andrews six picks earlier? 
Let's go with Mark Andrews, more consistent. Uh, Kyle Pitts is on the pitiful, pitiful Falcons. So I'm going to go Andrews. All right. Thank you, Eric. Moving on to the Steelers, our last team in this division. They finished their season 12 and four. They were 29th in offense out of 32 teams, and they finished 12 and four. Their defense was second to the Rams. Uh, absolutely horrendous on offense. Big Ben is atrocious, man. Why, you got to retire while you were ahead. Should have retired two years ago while you were on your high horse, but right now, <laughs> it just looks sorry, man. You like Yamir Yager, be like him. He's like 43 years old. Go play overseas, bro. Like, don't play in the NFL anymore. Don't play in the best league in the world. You're not making it. You're just go making play in Canada. Go, yeah, go play in the CFL. You could dominate there because nobody can sack you. It'd be great. <laughs> uh, but in all honesty, the defense carried this team, and there's no questions about it through and through. This offseason, they lost a lot of veteran leadership. Uh, tackle Alejandro Villanueva is gone. Guard Matt Fielder is gone. Halfback, James Conner is gone. Edges rusher, but Dupree is gone. And cornerback, Mike Hilton is gone as well. But they did sign guard Trey Turner. And literally today, they signed Melvin Ingram. So that's pretty big news. Trey Turner is from the Chargers, who had an awful offensive line. So that is 0% upgrade. In the draft, they went ahead and drafted Najee Harris with the 24th pick. And tight end Pat Fryermuth with a 55th pick in the draft. Tyler, why are the Steelers going to have a good year this year? So I took this team and, you know, I wasn't, I was thinking they'd be pretty decent, but the more research I did, I became less and less confident this team's going to do very well. Uh, they're, they're kind of a little bit in the crossroads, you know, they're, they're kind of like that kind of washed up guy that is still trying to live the glory days, but doesn't want to quite get rid of it yet. Um, but to put on some positive spin on it, I think that Najee Harris is already in, in upgrade from James Conner. He hasn't even played a snap in the NFL yet, but I think he's going to be a really good running back for them. So I think that's going to help. I think their defense is, is, is very good. I think they could potentially be a top five defense in the NFL. Um, so they, 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 have, they have that those things going for them. Other thing I, I think that might take to their advantage is I think, as I mentioned earlier, this is a really good division. And I think that, you know, the Ravens and Browns might uh, beat up on each other a little bit. Um, and I don't think that either of those teams are the elite of the elite in the, in the AFC um, so I think that this division could be close. And if the Steelers can, can steal some games, um, I think that they can be competitive and I think that they can make this division tight. Um, however, that offensive line is absolutely horrible. So it might not matter anyway. So the, the, the despite all the weapons they have on offense, um, there's no weapons on the most important part of the offense, which is, you know, the guys that protect the quarterback. So, um, but I, I, I do think they have some upside here. Um, I think they can be competitive, but it's, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not very confident with this, with, with the Steelers this season. I think they're going to have just an eh year. I don't think they're going to be shit, but they're definitely not going to be great. So we'll see what happens, but you know, I, I think there's potential there for some upsets. Okay. And uh, Eric, what do you think? Um, I always bring up schedules. Cause yeah, James, it's important. Uh, and apparently 2021 toughest and roughest schedule of any team. Big Ben is hobbling around like a monster from 300 who can't lift the shield, as you mentioned <laughs> earlier, James. Um, Juju is good, but just too soft. All he cares about is TikTok and dancing on the field, um, as we saw in the playoffs. They lost some of their offensive linemen. That's going to make it that much more sketchy for Big Ben. Um, they will not do better than the Ravens. They will not do better than the Browns. 
and they're going to battle against the Bengals. And I think they'll maybe lose at least one game to the Bengals this year. Um, and now let's look at their schedule at bills game one done. And then Raiders <laughs> Raiders next game, the Raiders are going to lose to the Ravens first game. Like I said, they're going to be disappointing and they're going to have to make up for it. So they will pummel the Steelers game too. Bengals will be game three. Bengals are going to win that game against the Steelers at Packers. Even if they don't have Aaron Rodgers, it's still going to be tough for the Steelers at Packers. Um, Broncos, Seahawks, and Browns. They're going to go two and five to start, and that will be their downward spiral. Um, they will beat the Broncos and the Seahawks because, you know, screw the Seahawks. And, uh, yeah, they're just not going to be that good. What's the record going to be? Uh, I did say seven and ten. I'm going to downgrade to six and eleven. Tyler? I'm going to go eight and nine. Like I said, they're not going to be great. They're not going to be shit. They're just going to have an eh here, eight and nine. I'm going to go with six and 11, agreeing with Eric here for the first time all season. By all accounts, this team got worse. They lost a lot of key veterans in Villanueva, and they lost a lot of key defensive guys that made their team as good as it used to be. They're already a pretty bad offense, and they added Trey Turner on the offensive line, who was on the Chargers, who had a shit offensive line before this offseason. So that doesn't help you. Big Ben's going to be way worse than he was last year. Najee Harris is going to be the only person worth watching on this Steelers team. This guy, have you guys seen this guy's stats? He's massive. He's like 6'2", and he can catch the ball, 240, and like he can – he's elusive too. It's crazy. He's a freaking nature. He's like um, the Titans guy. What's, what's his name? Giannis. He's like – what? No. Uh, uh, <laughs> Henry. He's like Derrick Henry, a little bit smaller, but on steroids. That's Najee Harris. Najee Harris is going to have a hell of a year. If he's available in the first round, I'm taking him. Uh, this defense, no longer second overall. They're probably going to be eight with the addition of not or Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram's getting up there in age. He wasn't healthy last year. The production just is falling apart at 33 years of age. So, he, I mean, it's an addition, but not a good addition. Trayden, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to say seven and ten. And oh God, I was going to say everything that you guys said. So now I'm going to go five and 12. We'll just go big. <laughs> oh. gonna be terrible. Keep going down. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you haven't get anybody a zero win. They're going to tie the Bengals. One of those games, actually. I'm going to change that. <laughs> okay. That's what are you saying? Uh, as you guys were talking, I kept like going, oh yeah, I like that. I all three, like you guys all gave like eight, nine, seven, ten, six, and eleven. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, fuck it. I want to be different five and twelve. I can't give them <laughs> nine and eight. So five and twelve it is. Okay. Let's talk about fantasy here. Uh last but not least, we got Big Ben at quarterback. He finished as QB 14, playing all of the games, and that's the lowest he's finished in a very long time. His ADP is very, very, very undrafted. This dude cannot throw deep anymore. He's slow and he's very old and he honestly should have been in jail a long time ago so i don't know where he's not he's still playing on the field so probably would anybody draft him yeah public service announcement do not draft big ben this season it's it's not going to be good he's getting old he's getting worse and his offensive line is probably the worst offensive line he's probably ever had in his career bad idea do not draft big ben okay moving on to running back here we got Najee harris the rookie taking over for james connor ADP is 24, so that's third round. That's prime. Like I said, he's a massive human being with a lot of talent and a lot of workload. He's going to pretty much be this entire offense. 
So Tyler, how high are you willing to take this guy? Yeah, I, I mean, I would argue, you know, second or third round, easy. Maybe even first round if, if you're kind of on the bottom end of it. His guy, as you mentioned, he's going to get a ton of the load. He's going to get a lot of touches. Um, he's going to put up a lot of points this season. He's, he's going to be the one bright spot for the Steelers this season. And moving on last night, but not least, well, to wide receiver, you got Juju and Chase Claypool, a.k.a. Carpool, as Tyler likes to call him. Juju, his ADP is 76, but his average at the target last season was five yards because he was making so many TikToks on NFL teams' logos. He's pretty much only relevant in PPR leagues because that's how much he catches the ball. He gets like five catches a game for 25 yards. It's really bad. And on the other side of it, you got Chase Claypool. His ADP is 81, so just five picks later than Juju Smith-Schuster. But he's an all-around guy. This dude catches the ball. He actually runs the ball because he can get handoffs. And he runs vertical and deep. The fact of the matter is, though, Big Ben can't throw deep. So maybe that takes away that part of his, the equation there. But, Tyler, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Juju at 76 or Carpool at 81? Definitely Carpool. Uh, I think this guy is just a little more talented. He's got, like, as, you, as you mentioned, a little bit more of a well-rounded game. As you, you know, like I said, the, I think the offense is going to struggle a lot. So whether how the offensive line can help, you know, or, or protect Big Ben to give him time to throw deep and all that um, is a huge question mark. So it's, it's less on his ability, more on the ability of his teammates to be able to give him the points he needs. So I wouldn't draft him that high, um, but he could be a solid, you know, kind of backup wide receiver. I think he could potentially, depending on how the Steelers offensive runs, be a, you know, WR2 flex option, but I worry more about his teammates letting him down more than his talent alone. I like that. Thank you, Tyler. And that concludes my AFC North segment. Thank you very much. All right, James, thank you again. Uh, we're going to keep uh, doing these uh, NFL previews. They're very helpful for all those fantasy owners out there and all those fans out there looking forward to the new season coming up real pretty soon. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, and we're coming up to our last segment. And we're trading's coming back with some hockey. There's a new team in town, and we're going to get right into all the details. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We're on our last segment here of episode 56. The NHL is about to release the Kraken. The new NHL team, the Seattle Kraken, are about to expand. And we're going to pick a bunch of players from all the teams around the NFL, with the exception of the Golden Knights, which I learned today, which I didn't know. So trade in. Uh, Give us some more details. I'll explain that, James. Don't worry about it. I'll explain it right now. Yeah, so the Seattle Kraken, the 32nd team in the NHL, uh, is set to to you know enter their expansion draft on the 21st. Uh, it's ESPN's first hockey-related thing, I guess, if you exclude the the world uh, the world Cu- uh, the world cup of hockey back in 2015. Uh, it's the first time they're going to have something that's NHL-related, um, uh, you know, on their broadcast, which is huge. Um, just to give you a quick rundown. Uh, the, the draft rules, you know, every team um, on, I believe, Saturday gave their uh, their protected list. And the protected list, ha- the clubs had the option of two, two different options, whether they wanted to, to uh, protect seven forwards, three defensemen and goaltender, or eight skaters in total and one goaltender, um, obviously putting a little bit more value to the defensive side of the, um, a puck, which is, which is expected. Now, James, to answer your question, the Golden Knights were excluded in, in the um, expansion draft 
mainly because they had just done their um, expansion draft not but four years ago and they will not be getting a piece of the of the uh, fee that seattle's paying so that's that's kind of the, that's what you know um, vegas is giving up the the fee revenue from the uh from seattle in exchange to not have to expose any of their players brand new team that's just kind of how it goes which actually can make sense i mean uh, especially considering both Seattle and Vegas definitely put up easily the most money to to even come into the league, which is a large part of the reason why the rules are as, as lax as they are, because if you're putting up $50 million to to have a team in the NHL, you kind of want to be somewhat competitive in the first couple of years. Uh, a question real fast, though. How many players are allowed on a team? Uh, 21. Okay, so but you're drafting 31 players. Correct. Where do the other 10 go? To the AHL. Oh, got it. Thank you. Still, it should be fair in Vegas. should be fucking part of this shit. What the fuck? Yeah, dude? so, okay. I, first of all, okay. Here we go. The rules for the exactly like they were last year. The Seattle Kraken must select one player from each present club, which must include at least 14 forwards, nine defensemen, and three goaltenders. Now, if everybody remembers at this time four years ago, everyone thought that the team that Vegas picked, because it was actually quite crazy, they, we, they did not pick probably the best players um, available. Everyone thought they weren't going to be good. And we hate them because they're good, even though we all thought they were going to be bad. So let's just kind of, you know, Eric, you know, you're nodding your head. Yeah, you thought they were going to be bad, just like me. Shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> Wait. God, what do you have to say to that? Train. He's on what fire, to, dude. What do you have to say to that? Okay. So um, I, I kind of wanted to keep it a little bit light. So, you know, I, the, 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 there were a lot of kind of surprising, you know, players that were left um, exposed by, uh, by all of these teams. Um, and I asked the guys to kind of have a player in mind that they thought was kind of surprising given the circumstances of that player and that team, maybe a reason why the, the team left them exposed and whether you would, if you were the Seattle Kraken general manager, and the team in whole in general would why you would pick him to be on the team. Um, James, I'm going to start with you because you, you know, you brought this up quickly. As soon as Saturday happened, your boy, Carey Price was left um, exposed um, after just putting up a con Smythe, you know, run in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I, I have to think that you're a little bit surprised by the move. Oh, very much so. That's why I texted you. I was like, why? actually let's let's talk about the entire ordeal here i texted you and i was like price question mark and you're like like the person like carrie like the hockey player yeah <laughs> dude like that guy how is that dude who is your captain who led you to the stanley cup who was the only reason why you got through all those playoffs to begin with now being unprotected at 10.5 mil a year for five years and I kind of see why. I mean, like, that, that is a massive contract. That's like a top 20 contract in terms of money. And he's like the only person in the top 20 who has that type of contract who made it through the playoffs. So they're kind of banking on the fact that the Kraken won't take that. They're like, that's a lot of money. Because it is a lot of money in the, in the NHL. If it was any other sport, it wouldn't be. I still don't understand the contracts in the NHL all that much. But apparently 10 mil is a lot. I mean, to me, 10 mil is plenty. I can live off 10 mil for the rest of my life. <laughs> but for athletes, though, it's different, right? So I, I kind of get the reasoning behind that. But I think they undervalue – I think the Canadians undervalue the amount of leadership and the culture that Carrier Price brings. Because he was that culture for the Canadians. 
he was at leadership for the Canadians. He's going to bring that to the Kraken if they pick him. And that is undervalued. You can't put a price tag on that. It's like MasterCard. It's like that priceless commercial. It's priceless. You can never, ever, ever put a value on leadership and culture. Priceless price. Price. Wow. (laughs) Priceless price. I love that. Uh, (laughs) It honestly just reminds me of Flurry a couple years back with Vegas. He had a massive price tag too. And he was like, he was older and people were like, oh, he's coming down. He's not as good as he used to be. Guess what, motherfuckers? He killed it. He's doing damn good with the Knights. Like he's, he's killing it. And that's exactly what Kerry Price might need. He might need a change of scenery. He might need people to have his back because he's been with the Canadians for so long that he's kind of an afterthought. They don't cherish him. It's like, yo, Kerry Price is going to do what Kerry Price does. So let's not really help out that defense all that much. But with the Kraken, it's like, let's build an all-around team that supports every piece, including Carey Price. So you're not just taking him for granted. You got to value the dude, make him feel appreciated, give him some support, and maybe he'll perform better. And that's what you're getting from Carey Price. His skills haven't really diminished, man. And when he really wants to try, like he did in the playoffs, he's a top five, top three goalie in the league. Not even top five, top three. He's that damn good. So just give him some motivation. Give him some help. He's going to give you that. Yeah. Um, look, this one was a little bit of a shock, um, to be honest, just given everything that happened. And it, if you look at what what's kind of happened between um, uh, general manager Mark Bergevin and um, G- general manager of the Kraken, who, uh, Ron Francis, they've kind of got into a little bit of a, a, of a chicken fight for for this for this guy because as soon as Carey Price was left unprotected Seattle pretty much said okay we are definitely going to pick him and it was at that point that Bergevin completely sold that Carey Price was was severely injured that he may not play much of next year now we don't know if that's true we don't know if he's just saying that to kind of you know I, I, here's here's what I think James and I think you probably agree Mark Bergevin and you know, his team and, and, and the Canadians in general are, are gambling because they, I think that, that Jake Allen is all but gone. If you don't protect him, there's no doubt that he's gone at two at 2.8 million. That would be dumb not to take him. Now a $10.5 million hit is about eight is I believe 13% of your of total cap. That's a lot of money there. And I think that, you know, Mark Bergevin is, is, is saying, hey, you know, Carey Price is really hurt. We don't know how bad, you know, it, it, it could be bad. He might be out. He might be out. Um, and, you know, kind of forcing the Kraken to rethink that strategy and basically throwing Carey Price up there with the hopes that he doesn't get picked. Now, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an interesting gamble because I agree with you. I think Carey Price is a, is a player that would be picked up if, if, they, if they investigate that his um, injury is not all that bad he is going to be the goaltender for the Seattle Kraken. And, um, and he, he would be instantly become the face of the, of the franchise. And what's great is he's, is he's actually going close to home. He's from the BC area, which is, you know, just, uh, just North of the border there. Uh, and he would be close to home on a new team and on a team that would, that on average, they're going to be, they're going to consist of third liners on average, all of them, your whole lineup is third liners. You know, yeah. You don't have super of superstars, you know, at the top, but you also don't have the Edmonton Oilers bottom six. 
<laughs> so you, ha you have a solid team going in on, in a division that is going to be dog shit. The, the Pacific Division, boys, I, I'm sorry. Go Ducks. It's mostly you guys <laughs> and the rest of California is going to be dog shit. Um, mm. relative to, relative to Vegas. And I, and, you know, I would say, um, um, just Edmonton, just the way they played last year, last season, uh, there is, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, James is that 10 point. I mean, his base salary of what Seattle is going to have to pay him is very low, which is very nice. I'm sure. That's I'm sure low. the owner, what's the base salary, uh, over the next, uh, five years, it's like 7 million. Oh, dude. I hope, I really hope they take him. So the, I'm not, I'm not owner, a Canadian fan. The, the owner of, I'm a the, Carey of Price the Kraken, fan. the owner of the Kraken or owners, I should say, uh, definitely are liking that because they don't have to pay much. So you think they're, you think they should pick them? No, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. It, it's going to be interesting. I thought that was interesting. And, and um, what's crazy is he, he, you know, he waived his no movement clause to do that. So um, it, it's going to be interesting. He's getting up in there in age, which is, you know, a big question mark for me. But, you know, he, what he did in the playoffs he can't be overlooked. Um, and to your point, the more he plays, the better he looks. So um, so would you Alex, take him on the Oilers? Would I uh, at 10.5, we can't. Like, we can't. Um, we, yeah, it's we, actually 7.8 is what you said, right? What? <laughs> oh, it's, his cap hits 10.5. That's what yeah. goes to the cap. So you know, we already we already play it. We so already, a goalie that just brought his team to the cup. You said the Oilers need a goalie. You wouldn't take him. All right, good. Well, we, but we can't. <laughs> Makes sense. What, so so uh, so I'll give up Connor McDavid. No, I mean I'd have to do that. You have to think about those things. We're not. We don't live in this basketball bullshit. Or I'm sorry, baseball bullshit land where you just <laughs> pay whatever the fuck you want. That's why baseball's dumb. You know. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm. I'm going to move over to Alex. I don't know. You, you didn't give me a player prior to this, you know, this meeting and maybe you're trying to surprise me, but I'm sure you looked at some notables that are out there. Oh, and by the way, guys, yeah. at the end, one of my, one of the, one of these sections uh, before I end, I want to go through all of our favorite teams on who is protected and what notable players are exposed and what your, and what our thoughts are. So just heads up. Um, but who is a player that you kind of uh, were a little shaken by? Okay. So I have, I went two directions. One that I'm so I'm gonna go say two players, but I'll do quick, be quick on both of them. Yeah. No, one that I'm a little surprised is available, and I think they should take. And one that I'm not super surprised that is available, but I think they people are would be like, why would you take this guy? But I think the Kraken should take him. Interesting. Okay. I like it. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So the first guy, a little surprising, is Alex Kalorn of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm -hmm. um, his cap hit is all is about four and a half mil. So kind of middle of the road there. He is a UFA in the 2023 season. So I guess that's two seasons from now, I think is how that would work. Um, for a guy who's, you know, you're not one of the big boys on Tampa, but is, you know, a very solid player. I guess they just kind of ran out of guys to protect because that team is so loaded. But I'm a little surprised that he's out there. If I was the Kraken, I would take him um, – he is he's a great player he seems like who they were like if you know looking at the who the lightning left unprotected the one i would go for I'm just a little surprised that he's out there um and he you know he kind of feels like he'd be a top line guy for for the seattle kraken um especially a guy who's you know now won back-to-back -back cups and has a lot of experience um and then flipping to someone that it's not all that surprising that he's uh, there and um, 
did not get protected, but I think they should take Jeff Skinner. Now hear me out. Huge cap hit. It's, he has a nine mil cap hit. So that's pretty big for a guy who had just a, I mean, he probably had one of the worst seasons like of anybody on how talented he is and how much, what he, how he performed this season, but former Calder trophy winner still under 30 and had a 40, 40 goal season two seasons ago. He, and who wouldn't want to move from Buffalo, the world, the U S's shittiest city to Seattle, one of the nicer cities on the West coast. You know, it's, you know, it's not the best city in the world, but it's fucked on better Buffalo. If you're Jeff Skinner, you're like, okay, can I get out of Buffalo and go to Seattle, be the top line guy, possibly be paired with Alex Kalorn. I think they should take Jeff Skinner, even though he had a terrible season in Buffalo. Um, but those are the two guys that I kind of, I kind of focused on. I like that. Um, and I'm glad you brought up Tampa, but I want to actually, cause I, I want, I want to talk to you about Tampa, but I want to start with Jeff Skinner first. Um, Jeff Skinner is an interesting one. I mean, Jeff, Je- Jeff Skinner just had an absolute atrocious season last season and, and his coach completely, I think, I think the coach fucked him, fucked him over. Um, he, you know, I, I'm all for your top players getting benched when they deserve it. Uh, we saw, um, uh, uh, I forget his, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but uh, top guy from the, from the Islanders, who am I, who am I thinking boys, help me out here. Um, who Barzell? I believe. Yes. Barzell, Barzell. Yes. Uh, Barzell was, was you know what was benched for you know taking i think it was a stupid penalty in one game and you know coach benched him the rest of the game and i think he benched him or i think he had him sit the next game uh and jeff skinner was was you know he wasn't playing very well in the in the coach benched him but he you know in my mind for a guy that's been in the league 10 years when you bench him once that's fine that's you know that's 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 how it goes you bench him you know two games in a row that's sending a message that you need to get your act together but when you do that give him that third one I think it's, I think you've already fucked over the relationship with a, with a, a very good historical player to your point, Alex. And I think that if, if the Kraken can handle that, you know, cap hit, I think you're absolutely right. He, I think that he's going to be, you know, enjoy a change of scenery, um, get to play a lot of hockey with that Seattle Kraken team. And could, we could see a complete resurgence to, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to go back to his, his rookie year stats, but you know, this guy is a perennial 20 to 30 goal scorer. And to your point, he had 40 goals two years ago. <laughs> and, you know, he has the ability to score, you know, over 20 goals a year. And, um, and I think that he would be able to do that, you know, step on the crack and be top, but we're going to go to Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay had a list of, t- of guys that were left mostly because they're such a deep team. Um, they, they only, in terms of the forwards, they only, they protected Anthony Sorelli, Kucherov, Point, and Stamkos. Like, duh, they're going to pick, they're going to save those guys. And then their top four defensemen, they did not want to lo- lose any of their top defensemen. So you had Alex Kalorn, Andre Palat, Tyler Johnson, and in my opinion, the most intriguing piece, because I absolutely love this guy, Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord is, is, is a, a, I love this guy. So I ask you, Alex, Yanni Gord is paid 5.1 million per year. Uh, and I believe his, for the next uh you know looks four years so you have two extra years but he's a couple years younger than um than alex kalorn he is a centerman so does that kind of play you know you're you're dealing with two guys here so you know do you still like alex kalorn as maybe more of a glue guy or do you see yanni gord as a as a potentially a better pick here 
it kind of feels like a flip of the coin. I mean, they've, they're both, uh, you know, have been playing in a, an elite system for the last couple of seasons here. Um, you know, I, if you're the Kraken, I mean, you take the other, you know, half a mil, I guess. So that's like an extra, what, a million over an extra two years. That's not a ton. Um, so I honestly think you could be, you'd be fine with either one um, with the center. Like, obviously you want to be built well down the center. We talk about that all the time. Um, I think a lot of it is just going to come up, come to what other centermen are you possibly going to be able to pick? Um, but if I'm Seattle, those are the two guys that I'm zeroing in on. And that seems like the toughest, one of the tougher choices. If you're the Seattle Kraken is which lightning guy are we going to take? Yeah, Um, it is. That's that's a tough one. It is. Um, and you know, when I saw that Yanni Gord was available, I was like, Oh my God, I wish the Oilers were the expansion draft. Cause I absolutely love Yanni Gord. He's one of my favorite players in the NHL. James, you had a question. Okay, so the Tampa Bay Lightning had issues with salary cap all throughout the regular season, correct? No, they were at the cap. They were at the cap, right? Through the regular season, but then they they brought Kucherov back, who was X amount of money, and it doesn't count against the salary cap. So if Kucherov was going to be healthy at the beginning of the season, it's going to count against the salary cap. And you're protecting all, all those guys. You, let's pretend you're the GM of the Lightning. Who would you want the Kraken to pick? in order to give you that cap relief, but also allow your team to still be good. That's that, you know, that, that kind of, that's, that's a great question. Uh, And I'm going to look at, um, sorry, I'm, I'm going all over cap friendly as we do this. Um, I am, I would honestly probably throw. Alex, you too, man. What do you think? Yeah, go ahead, Alex. Uh, I mean, I feel like if you're, wait, so if you're Tampa, who do you want, who they want to pick? Yeah. That allows you to be, under the cap for the next season, for the regular season, because Kucherov's going to be healthy, right? Yeah. We're operating yeah. under that fact. And I so mean, I don't know everyone's cap hit that's like off the top of my head. That would be on that Tampa squad. But if you're Tampa, I mean, the the eight skaters that you protected are eight elite players, pretty much. Take you, you want the guy that has the most cap hit because yeah. that makes the math better for you. It's like, they're going to be good next year. Anyway, um, I mean, they're already going to have a crazy offseason trying to get under the cap in any way. Like, they're going to have to make some moves to get under the cap either way um, because, yeah, those guys are all going to be healthy. They're not – it's not going to work out where it's a shortened season again. Kucherov just magically is healthy and playing at an elite level the second he comes back in the playoffs and the caps don't matter anymore. So – uh, yeah, if you're the Lightning, take the guy that has the biggest cap hit. If you're Seattle, you might. I don't. I mean, I'm assuming they look into this, but like Seattle's not going to do anything to help other teams. No, they're doing this to make their team good. So if they can get Kalorn for two years at a little bit less of a cap hit, and it still kind of fucks over Tampa, I don't think they'd be that upset about it. Yeah, um, I I would say if if you're Tampa, you of the four notables um, between Yanni Gord, Andre Plot, Kalorn, and Johnson, I would say Andre Plot. Uh, he does have the highest cap hit. And I just look at what Alex Kalorn and Yanni Gord has done for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And 
they, they, I just think they're more impact players. I'm not saying that Andre Pilat's not an impact player because he is. He's a huge impact player. And anybody on this podcast would love to have that kind of player on your team. But I just think that of, of the four, I think Andre Pilat's probably the one you'd want to pick. Because um, then, you're, I mean, that's he has, does have the highest hat cap, even though it's one year. Um, I guess you – or Tyler Johnson. He, he's pretty close, but he's a longer ter- term. Um, so – um, but uh, you don't want them to take Yanni Gord or Killorn, which they're probably gonna, because <laughs> they're all like in that four and a half to five million dollar range. Um, so moving on, Tyler, um, did you who who was kind of surprising for you, buddy? I don't know if it was surprising, but it was more of an emotional like, oh no, which was be uh, Jonathan Quick for the uh, LA Kings. Mm-hmm. So um, I think though, when I think about it, it kind of makes sense. For the Kings to not protect him. I think Cal Peterson's definitely their goaltender of the, of the future. And, you know, Jonathan Quick, you know, is he's obviously done so much for this Kings organization. He's won two cups. Um, he's going to go down probably as the greatest, or at least to this point in history, he is the greatest goaltender in Kings history. Um, but I think it is time to move on from him and, you know, and, and, and invest in Cal Peterson. And I think for the Kraken, you're, you're, you take a guy who's, like I said, got that uh, better experience. I don't know if he'd, he'd be your number one goaltender that's available around, but, I mean, he's definitely a guy that can help bring some veteran leadership um, to that Kraken team and be a very solid, you know, at worst, a, a, you know, your backup goalie. Um, so if I was the Kraken, i look at Quick, you know, as a guy that's going to be a, a, a great pickup. Um, for the Kings, you know, is you know, is it, it, it was kind of like shocking to see him, but I do understand it from from the Kings' perspective. Um, and if he does get picked by the Kraken, I'll, I'll be sad, but I'll understand it. Um, so I think for the Kraken, that'd be a good one. And a, another one I I kind of thought I looked at was uh, James Van Riemsdyk from the uh, mm. Flyers. This dude's one of you know he's not a guy that's gonna you know light up the scoreboard, but he's just a good, solid, consistent player. Like he's he's gonna put up twenty goals almost every season. I don't know what his cap hit is off the top of my head, um, but I feel like he can't be that expensive. So I feel like he's probably a pretty decent player you can get um, that's going to put up a really, really good season for you. So I think those are two, if I was a Kraken, I'd be looking at. Um, those are, those are great picks. And I'm going to, we're going to talk about um, uh, quick now. Um, you know, or I, I'd like to, um, I, I look at quick as, you know, his kind of career is kind of, done in terms of being a starting goaltender in the in the nhl and, and that's really unfortunate because he is one of the best if not the best to ever um you know wear that jersey that's for sure um borderline if not for sure hall of famer um just given his runs you know in those in those mid 10 or mid 2010s um i look at but i i look at jonathan quick as a it's tough because he's 5.8 million a year for two years However, he does his his actual payout is you know much less than that. It's only five and a half over two years. So in terms of the actual dollars from the from the from the um, the owner, I mean he's loving that. But I, I don't know that they're going to take a five point eight million dollar goaltender to you know ride the pine. You know that, that's tough, especially if we if if Carey Price is taken. You know that's that's over sixteen million in in uh, you know between two goaltenders, and we've seen historically that that does not that doesn't work. It just, it just too much money wrapped up in your goaltenders. Um, although I, I think that he could be a, uh, you know, I, I think that he could be a, a solid leader. Um, we've seen him do that in the past, but 
it's tough. Um, I like how much he's getting paid out, but I don't like that cap hit, unfortunately. But um, I, you know, I love Jonathan Quick. You, you can't not love him. And then looking at James Ryan Reinsdyke, uh, sorry to say, but his uh, his cap hit seven million, <laughs> so oh, it's shit. it's quite high no, for a guy that's high. that's yeah that has really gone sideways. Um, you know, he's, you know, he's not putting up the points like he used to. He's, he's a 40 point player, um, for a $7 million, I mean, for $7 million a year, um, you know, there, there are, there are better <laughs> options out there. Um, and you know, Jake, Jacob Voracek's on there too. He, he's kind of a, a heart and soul kind of guy, but he has a high cap hit as well, you know, from that team. I look at Shane Gosses bear, um, from, the, you know, looking at the flyers in particular, Gosses Bear had a very good year, you know, closer to his um, rookie year, but he's really kind of really flatlined. And I think he could use a change of scenery at four and a half million. I think that he's probably their pick um, from that team. Although, you know, to your point, Tyler, I think that James Ryan Reams, I could use a, a change of scenery and become, you know, kind of reinvent himself in Seattle. So um, may, I think he's maybe hoping that that's the case, but um I, it's tough from the, from the perspective of Seattle where, you know, what he, if he's going to, you know, go down, if they're going to go down that route, I think they don't be surprised if Shane Gosses bears picked up from that team. Um, and then finally, Eric, um, who, who kind of was surprising for you, bud? Um, not really speaking of a surprising thing, but what this may be a prediction. Um, I think Getzlav will be going to the Kraken um, because First off, he declined to say, I think today, actually, he declined to say what the future holds for him. He stated he needs to take his time, weigh his options, and speak to his family. That could mean possibly retirement, but I still feel like this guy has some kicks at the can, as they say. Um, Absolutely not. And I would be sick of the Ducks if I were him, you know? Like, you got to move on from that team. You've done all you can there. Um they're in that develop and rebuild mode, as we've seen these last few seasons. They had some pretty close playoff runs during the Kings and Blackhawks era. Um, they were a better, you know, they were making the playoffs a lot, going deep. They couldn't close it out, unfortunately. But um, it's going to be a good – if Getzlov does decide to play uh, next season, hopefully he does because I think he could become kind of like a Corey Perry-like role for them, uh, kind of a little bit of resurgence for the Kraken. Um he could showcase himself. He, you know, he, he used to be an elite center in this league. So he could be a guy that goes there um, and, you know, kind of in that Vegas mentality, maybe they go on a little playoff run because um, he hasn't been in the playoffs for a while. He could be important come playoff time if he could survive and make it there if he plays. Um, I guess one other guy, as I'm looking at down the list, um, I'm thinking defensive uh, – Defensive players and who the fuck did I just see? Oh, your boy PK Subban. Oh. Um, shit. Why not? I mean, get a, get a guy like that. He's a spark plug, you know. Um, for him, I feel like every time he goes somewhere new, like going from uh, Montreal to Nashville, was great for him and his career. I feel. Um, obviously went on a cup run with them. You know, he wasn't the key piece, but he did play well during that cup run. You got to say, um, helped them out. So. Who knows? Maybe this for him. I think it would be good. It would be a good little resurgence to go over to the Kraken, be kind of like there's one of their spark plug defensemen. You don't got to be the top guy, but you could help them out for sure. 
Well, to, to answer your question, why not PK Subban? I can give you 9 million reasons why, and that's every single dollar that he'll make next year. Um, his has a $9 million cap hit, and that's the reason why. <laughs> it's just a lot yeah, of money, also, man. Traden hates PK Subban. I, no, yeah, dude, I love, I, I love you. That, remember that, like, he, that section was like, PK and Subban is not worth it. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love PK Subban as a guy. He's, he's, he's been such a great impact for on every single team in the locker room and in his community. And he's one of those guys that is that everybody loves in the locker room, but his play, man, is just not there. And for Seattle to take on a, an albatross contract, even if it's for one year, it's just, I, I, you know, I look at, let's look at who else uh, New Jersey has. And they, you know, they have, um, uh, I guess that's the only notable player available. No, when I say notable, I mean higher name, but Hey, that doesn't mean that they need to take a high name guy. They could take a guy that's going to be, you know, maybe, a, maybe an RFA or something like that. Um, you know, that, that maybe doesn't get the, the, the ice time that he probably, you know, deserves and he'll step on and be a, a for sure fourth or third liner um, for, you know, for the Seattle Kraken and he'll have a little bit more development opportunity. So what's your take on um, Ben Bishop? He's available. He's available to yeah. this. He's the only notable guy from Dallas. So yeah, Ben, and- Ben Bishop, man. Um uh, well, Jamie Alexiak is there too. He's, he's a pretty solid freaking player, but um, Ben Bishop, it, it, it's, that's an interesting one. Um, he hasn't played in a year. Hasn't played in a year, but Hey, uh, I look at, I, you know, let's look at Ben Bishop. Sorry guys. I'm, or I'm uh, I like to pull up the actual um, cap hit. He has 4.9 million. I like him over quick in terms of the, you know, dollar amount. So, um, you know, I, I think that he's definitely, he's definitely so an option. Bishop or price? Uh, probably Bishop. And the reason is, is because you got two years at 4.9. You don't have them for those extra three years. So you're not having to deal with that 10.5 outside of the three years. Look, this team's going to want to be able to be in the Stanley cup final in three years. Right. And when you're, when you're not able to pay the players that you need and, and, you know, and build a, it's just, I, I just see, I just see that as too much of a contract. Um, that's why I would say Ben Bishop, even though that is a risk because he hasn't played in a while. Um, and the first one you said, I'm sorry, can you remind me who the one, first one you said Eric was? Um, I said Getzlaff. He said Getzlaff. Gets oh my yeah, so. God, dude, I got so much to say about this one. Oh, that one's that, – look, this one I think would be a waste of a pick, and I say that because he's a UFA. So right now they would be picking him, but he doesn't have to sign with them. So it would be kind of – the only reason that, that, that Anaheim would – would want them to would want Ryan gets up to be picked is because maybe they're there's, they have a side deal that um, there's going to be a trade where uh, you know uh, the, the ducks give them like a, like a, um, like a prospect or something like that. Um, that's the only reason that we would see Ryan gets up picked because I don't even know that he'd sign with Seattle. You know, if he's going to play, maybe he's going to take a million and go play for, you know, Boston or, you know, a team that actually is going to make the playoffs for sure and be competitive. Um, you know, I don't know what his contract's going to be. I do think that he, you know, I, he, he is, you know, he's one of the best centers in, if not the best center in, in, um, well, I guess I, I'm sorry, not center captain, uh, in, in their franchise besides Paul Korea. Uh, Paul Korea was, I mean, God, um, love my love Paul Korea. Um, so I just don't know that they pick him. You know who is going to get picked? I think is um, Comtois, Maxime Comtois. He's an RFA. They would own his rights at at 22 years old. He is not protected, and as an he is not in his entry level contract, which means he is available 
James, he is going to be gone in my opinion. So that's going to, end, uh, before I end, I want to go through all the teams and give you and, and give our teams and, and kind of give our uh, perspective on our teams who are getting, uh, you know, who, who we protected and who, who is available. So let's start, you know, let's start right at Anaheim. Uh, James, uh, you have protected forwards, uh, Nicholas, Jess Laurier, uh, Max Isaac Lundstrom, excuse me. Uh, Ricard Raquel, Jacob Silverberg, Sam Steele, and Troy Terry. Defenseman Cam Fowler, Hampus Lindholm, and Josh Manson. Obviously, your um, your boy um, um, John Gibson. Uh, no, uh, your your young guy. Uh, help me. Zegers is is protected because he's entry level contract. Like <laughs> Hockey guy over here. <laughs> uh, John Gibson is your goaltender to, to that you saved. Obviously, Cam Fowler, Hampus Lindholm, and Josh Manson on the defensive side. Obvious picks. Um, the most notable player you have is Ryan Getzlav, and I would say Comtois. James, how do you feel about your protected list? I like it a lot. Um, right now, high profile, based off the uh, tweet by Eric Engels, Getzlav, Henrik, Shattenkirk, and Fleury, right? Getzlav, old. Get, get him out of Anaheim, man. He's part of the old guard. The re- he's he's, he's the a good captain. He's, no, not even. He's not productive. He had 17 points last season. Come on, bro. No, he, he is not. He is no longer a good player. He's not serviceable. Like, this is the point where he needs to retire. Like, he's not He's not good anymore. Get out of Anaheim, bro. I'm sorry. You, ha- you have a lot of stuff going on there. You were part of history. But get out. Like, you, you're not – you don't belong here no more. Our team is young, and you're old. So, not, nah. And Henrique, he was part of the taxi squad a couple weeks back. Couple months back, he's good at times. Shannon Kirk, that they take him. Yeah, I mean Shannon Kirk is <laughs> a new signing, so I'm kind of bummed about that because I did like him on the defensive end. He's a huge defensive liability, but he does score some points. Uh, but either of those three, if you take him, I'll be happy. To I like that. You. Um, if they don't take Comtois, there's something there. There, in my opinion. Um, don't be surprised if he is gone, Johnson. All right, let's look at the LA Kings boys. There's three of you Kings fans here. I want to go around the horn with you guys and see what you guys think. Forwards, Lice Anderson, Victor Arvidsson, Dustin Brown, Alex Iafalo, Adrian Kempe, Kempe, however you want to say it, Andre Kopitar, Trevor Moore um, on the forward side, defensive uh, defenseman, Drew Doughty, Matt Roy, and uh, Sean Walker, Matt Waugh, or Roy. Boy, it's one of the two. I I never know. Uh, goaltenders, Cal Peterson is protected. Guys, I'm going to start with Alex. What are your thoughts on the protected list? And, you know, how are you feeling going into the this expansion draft here? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't love that Jonathan Quick is exposed. I don't think they're going to take him. Um, looking at how many legit goalies are available and goalies for cheaper price points, I don't think they'll take him. Um, the forwards, I know your guy, um, how do you say his name again? Anastasiu or whatever. Athanasiu, yeah. <laughs> Athanasiu, yeah. Your boy, uh, I know you love him. They're not probably, I, uh, I don't know. I think I'd be bummed to see like Austin Wagner go. Um, he got, he can straight up fly. Um, or like, but I, you know, with the Kings, there's not like a, like an easy pick. I think for the Kraken to take, um, I mean, unless if you don't take John 
Jonathan Quick, everyone else on there is like a pretty low cap hit. Um, so like I would maybe this feels like one of the teams where there'll be an AHL player to start like Kale Cog, Quag or something like there's not anyone that kind of stands out. Like maybe you pick up Cur- Curtis McDermott just to have some, some rough and tough on your, on your, you know, last pairing. But I, I don't like, unfortunately the Kings, like they have some really good top end talent, uh, not a whole bunch in the middle. And then a lot of really good prospects who are not available to be selected. So like there's this jumbled middle bunch, like, you're not getting a Braden McNabb like right. the Knights did. There's no one on this list that's up to that caliber other than Quickie, who, again, they're probably not going to pick like we just talked about. Right. Uh, Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I agree kind of with Alex. There was no one really on the unprotected list that I was um, really worried about other than Quick. But then when I thought about it, I was like, I mean, if Quick leaves, it's not, that, it's not the end of the world because we got Cal Peterson, who, as I mentioned earlier, is clearly the future goaltender of that franchise so um i'm really happy that they uh protected brown um i think he is a guy that i think especially lately has kind of revamped in terms of his scoring production and i think obviously he's been a huge leader on that team i think that's the, the, i think the kings value his leadership and value his presence on that roster i think that's a guy they easily could have not protected and they did so i'm really happy that they protected brownie yeah. Um, if, if it wasn't for his last two years of play, I don't think he's protected boys. Um, he, he's saved himself in his play and that's, that's what a good player does. Um, Eric, what do you think, bud? Uh, yeah. I mean, I like Alex's take on, you know, if they don't pick quick, it's going to be a guy they probably send to the AHL or a guy that's going to have to scrounge to make the team for them. Um, not many, uh, appalling picks besides Jonathan quick um, to be truthful. So obviously they're going to protect, you know, Dowdy and the big dogs that they got. Um, and, you know, and they kind of made their decision. Peterson is going to be the future of goaltending for them. So um, it's, it's quick or, or bust for the Kraken. Yeah. If, if I were you guys, I'd, I'd actually pray that Jonathan quick gets picked just, that's $5 million freed up. And that's a lot of money, boys. That's a lot of money in this league. Um, as much as I love them, um, it's not going to happen. They're going to take, just so you guys are right. Um, there's not much there. It's going to be kind of a, a, a lower lower level guy, which is actually good for you guys. It's not going to really fuck up your your team. You guys are a young team on the rise up. Um, I, I like what you guys have done. And I think you guys are set. Uh, I do want to talk quickly about my team, if you don't mind. Uh, forwards, Josh Archibald, Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Cassian, Connor McJesus, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jesse Pogliarvi, and Kyler Yamamoto are all protected on the forward side for the Oilers. Defenseman Ethan Bear, Duncan Keith, Darnell Nurse, um, and Stuart Skinner um, is, uh, is saved. So exposed, you know, notables that are exposed are James Neal, Adam Larson, Oscar Kleffbaum, and Miko Koskinen. Uh, you could also throw uh, Mike Smith in there, even though he's a UFA. So that'd be kind of a waste of a pick. Look, um, please take James Neal. It's done. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Or Clef Mom, as much, unless he can actually play. I don't think he can. I don't think he's ever going to play again. Uh, but either one of those two, thanks. I would like it. You know, James Neal. James Neal. James. Uh, we saw what he did with, with Vegas. Do it again in Seattle, please, for the love of God. <laughs> Uh, that's it. But I have boys. Um, I, I didn't get to talk about Gabriel Landeskog, which is a huge story. We could, I could have spent all the, the whole time on here, but that's for another time. 
Um, that one's crazy. Gabriel Landeskog is available. Yes, he is a UFA, but, but the fact that he was not signed before this and, you know, this is the captain of the, of the, of the Colorado Avalanche who is an amazing player and he's having trouble, you know, getting connected with his, uh, with his team. So he might be gone. That's all I got. All right, Jaden. Thanks. Uh, it's going to be fun to see who uh, the Kraken pick and they'll actually have players finally. And we'll kind of get to see what, what they're all about. Obviously they have uh, the, the, the bar has been raised for the expansion teams with how well the golden Knights have done. Uh, well, so we'll see if the Kraken can uh, do as well. Uh, so we'll, it's, it, it's definitely exciting to have these ex expansion teams. Uh, so thank you, Jaden, for that. Um, and that's going to conclude episode 56 of TLDR podcast. Thank you everybody for listening and hopping on. Uh, we we really appreciate the support. Uh, I've noticed the YouTube videos have gotten more views lately and more comments and more subscribers. So keep hitting that subscribe button. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. So we, uh, we really appreciate it. Um, so uh, have a great week, guys, and we'll see you next time.